Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. So today is our last sermon in the I Am series. I hope you've enjoyed it um, as much as I have. Um, Sometimes when I put something on the schedule to preach a series on, I'm not really sure in advance what God will do with it, but I feel like we've all learned new things and and new ways to look at the scriptures that maybe we've read uh, so many times together. We started out seven weeks ago with, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate of the people. I am the good shepherd. Not just a shepherd, Shelley. He's a good shepherd. That's important. Maybe you said it and I just didn't hear it. Week number five, I am the resurrection and life. Somebody said it. I don't know who whispered. Somebody. Way to go, Pam. All right. Good job. Last week, I am the way. There you go, the truth and the life. You gotta get it all in there. You gotta get it all. So today we are in John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true grapevine, or maybe yours says vine. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using in my name. And this is my command, love each other. Lord, this is your word, alive and active. And may it deliver the message to every person here and online, the very message you have for each of us. And may we be different because of who you are in Jesus' name. So imagery is a big thing in the Bible. And so Jesus understood 
that the vine was a part of Jewish imagery. It's the very symbol of who Israel was. It was their religious heritage. So this would have meant so much to them. Where you and I, maybe it's kind of vague. For them, this was the imagery of their religion. You can look back in Isaiah chapter 5 and see where it talks about the vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. You can look over in Jeremiah. And when God gave a word to Jeremiah to share with the Israelites, he said, I planted you as a choice vine. On and on through Old Testament, we can find reference to the vine and the vineyard. So this would have been very important imagery for the disciples to be listening to. And Jesus understood this. Jesus understood the Jewish connection. He understood just the basics of how um, important the vineyards would have been. And, and everybody understood how the gardener would have treated his vineyard. So the Jews considered themselves that they were the vine of God. In other words, only the Jews would find their way to God. So again, Jesus comes in and kind of shatters a little bit of that. Because he says, I am the true vine. This was Jesus' way of explaining to them that being Jews would not be what would save them. Their bloodline was not their salvation. Jesus' bloodline is their salvation. I am the true vine. And of course, we know this would go on to be opened to others. That's why this would have been so important, what he was telling them. Now, I admit to you, I don't know a whole lot about pruning. I'm, I come from a, a family of florists, so if you cut the flower and give it to me, I'm going to know what to do with it. <laughs> but growing it, eh, I'm not always the greatest. And I don't know a whole lot about pruning. So in fact, my only experience with pruning would be with a Christmas tree. So in 2014, our Christmas tree was one of, you know, if you've been to our house, you know, we do 12-footers, you know, live trees. This is 2014. Look at Alex. He's so cute. <laughs> he was he, he was my baby this weekend. We, we enjoyed homecoming with him um, and all of his friends. But that was a 12-footer, beautiful tree. This was also the year that Thomas and Brittany went to Mexico. And so it came to my attention that I would probably be wanting to take the tree out of the house before they got back because they would not get back till after New Year's. So me and Alex was like, yeah, how are we going to get that out of there? Because 12-foot cedar trees are not easy to get through my front door, just so you know. You know, it's, it's not easy at all. And unfortunately, Alex has my genetics and we're short people. <laughs> So uh, trying to carry a 12-foot tree, still not, you know, and trying not to make a huge mess. Anybody that does live trees, you know when you remove them, it's not pretty. So this is where I acquired my pruning skills. Alex and I went and bought clippers, and BJ took that thing down one branch at a time <laughs> until it became something I could control and lift and get through the door. And that's how that Christmas tree got removed this that year. 
So again, my pruning knowledge was very limited. I had to do some research on how they pruned grapevines. And they go through a whole process of first selecting a, a good and sturdy cane to prune back to make it into the um, center vine, okay? So your stock vine. And actually, I learned that sometimes they will cut, they will prune back all the little stalks that come out, all the little branches that come out. They will keep it pruned back sometimes one to three years to ensure that they are growing a good, hardy stock plant. And, you know, here's the key, the biggest thing. I'm not going to go through the whole process of grapevines, but here was the key to grapevine pruning. The most common mistake that people will make is not pruning hard enough. And not, in other words, not removing enough of the branches to prune it back. In fact, light pruning doesn't even promote adequate fruiting, whereas a heavy prune will provide the greatest quality of grapes. And that kind of made sense. My dad grew some grapes a few years, um, but his Arkansas version was, hey, just run it up the fence, let it go, what we get, we get, right, you know? Now, my neighbor, he was more adamant about it, and he actually grew grapes for several, several years. And I can remember coming over to his house after he would prune, and I would think, oh, my God, he killed that thing. Like, he just cut everything off of there, you know, because Daddy just let it go, right? And whatever, you know, we had grapes a couple of years. After studying this, I understand why our grapes quit growing, because Dad was not pruning it back. Whereas, you know, Mr. D, he was always pruning his every year, cutting it back to that base stock in the, the main vine. And so the problem with pruning then is you've got to know to remove as much as the old wood as you can to make room for the new growth to come in. So pruning the branches is what leads to producing the fruit. And that's, what, that's the imagery that Jesus is giving them. The pruning. Now, the word for pruning, so in verse 2, um, it talks about the gardener, he's going to prune the branches. And verse 3, my version said it pruned and purified. Yours may say cleanse. Some, some versions say, use the word cleanse. Those two words actually come from the same root. So when Jesus is talking about pruning, he's talking about cleansing us, church. He's talking about cleansing our lives to produce more fruit as followers of Jesus. Now, church, remember, we've been doing this now for seven weeks. Remember that Jesus is preparing his disciples for life after resurrection. And we've been the last couple of weeks talking about feeling how more urgent the tone has become. In this. And remember where we are. We're in the conversation, and this is the night of the Last Supper. So Jesus knows when this conversation is finished, everything changes. And it's going to get hard, and it's going to get crazy. And in fact, when you look back in chapter 14, verse 30, it says, I don't have much more time. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. I don't have much more time to talk to you. Because the ruler of this world approaches. 
He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going on. So we hear the urgency. Jesus says, I don't have a whole lot of... Man, have you, have you ever tried to give somebody those last-minute instructions? As your Moms, have you ever done that, trying to run out the door and you're giving the kids the last-minute instruction and you're like, you just know they're not going to catch everything that you're telling them. So we try to get it whittled down to that, the most important thing, empty the dishwasher, Right? <laughs> We narrow it down. I feel that urgency in Jesus. I don't have time. So listen. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's urgent. And then in verse 5, he said, yes, I'm the true vine. You're the branches. So those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I know that these guys were not catching on to what this is meaning yet. They don't see ahead. And we see behind, so it's easy for us to see it. But Jesus was saying, when I go back to the Father, you know, the the day is coming now. When I'm not here physically with you anymore, God's purpose is going to continue on. But here's the important part. (laughs) Remain in me. In other words, you got to stay connected. That's what the scripture said, that any branch not connected to the main vine is going to wither. So even though I'm not here physically with you, disciples, remain in me, and you're going to produce fruit. He said, apart from me, you can do what? Good things? Nope. Some things? Nope. Nothing, nothing, nothing. There's nothing kingdom lasting that happens when we're apart from Jesus Christ. Believing in Jesus is more than your ticket to heaven. It's about being his disciple. It's about doing the will of the Father. And then, verse 6, Jesus starts talking about the useless branches, right? Verse 6, it says, Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch, and it withers. And in fact, gathered into a pile. When I was studying about the grapevines, um, it, it, it talked about that, you know, sometimes we, a tree falls, we use that wood for firewood, right? The grape branches would have just been completely discarded. Like their wood was useless. They didn't use it for anything else. They would just burn it in a pile. You know, Thomas and I, we went searching for um, trying to figure out giveaways while we were out in Oklahoma City. I I just was not completely settled on the the gift card thing. I thought, ah. And I said, you know what? Let's go to Hobby Lobby. I can find something at Hobby Lobby. Right? Do you know I could not find anything in Hobby Lobby with these verses? Yeah, right. That's the face I had, James, walking all through Hobby Lobby. Now, I grant you, maybe if I'd really, because Thomas kept saying, pull out your app, and, you know, I was looking for, like, big. I was looking for, like, wall hangings. I was, you know, nothing. And Thomas even was like, how can this be? Like, this is a pretty, you know, big verse. Grapes, come on, yeah. And I said, well, 
No one likes talking about the hard stuff, though. And this is a hard verse. This ain't all just lovey-dovey, people. (laughs) Jesus is, is really preparing his disciples for the hard time, right? And he's trying to prepare them about remaining. And now we're talking about uh, throwing branches away and being useless. How, how could we put that in Hobby Lobby? <laughs> Let's come up with that wall design of being a useless branch. <laughs> Not real inspiring sounding, is it? But what are some ways... Let's just think just for just a quick second. What are ways that we become useless branches? Well, according to what he's saying, if we're not connected to the vine, so in other words, I refuse to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm a useless branch. That someday when we're divided left and right, I become a useless branch without the vine. Another way, maybe you listen to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you heard the gospel, you accept it, but you know what? There's just no action that you're following him. There's no change in your life. Well, are you really connected? Because I've watched plants, and when they grow, when they're connected to that main vine, there's change coming. There's growth. Old leaves die off, new leaves come on. That happens a lot in my house. I forget to water things. <laughs> I bought a new, a new pet yesterday. I bought a Venus flytrap. I don't know. It just seemed fun. And I thought, you know, maybe, you know, when we get those little gnats in the house with our fruit or something, maybe they'll go to that Venus flytrap. I don't know. It just was on sale at Walmart. I just hope I remember to water it. Thomas put it at the kitchen sink, so maybe I will. Another way, and this one... This one I really hate, but it happens. Sometimes we accept Jesus. Maybe we follow him for a while. Maybe we're great disciples for a while, but something happens. Something hard. And we can walk away. We can sever our relationship with Jesus. We become useless branches. But look at verse 8, what Jesus said. When you produce much fruit, people, do you understand there's got to be some production going on? When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. This made me think, we ask people all the time, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Maybe we need to change that. Are you a true disciple? Of Jesus Christ. Because we've gotten so desensitized to the word Christian. Oh, I go to church every Sunday. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for keeping the seat warm. By the way, I'm telling Jimmy on y'all, I think you're in his seat. But I know where Jimmy is this morning. I saw the truck. I love you, Miss Teresa, if you're watching online. Yeah. But isn't that true? I mean, we easily can say, I'm a Christian. You know, when I started college, anybody that's been to college, you kind of get bombarded when you, you go to get, you know, started, and there's all these groups wanting you to join them and this, that. And I remember some group approaching me and asking me a denomination, what church do I belong to? Remember, I didn't go to church. Baptist. <laughs> I didn't know. All my family was Baptist. That's all I knew, Right? Think about that the next time you have conversations with people. 
It's easy to just say, I belong to a church. It's even easy to say, I'm a Christian. But Jesus said, are you my true disciple? In other words, there's got to be something being produced within you, coming out of you, that says I'm connected to Jesus Christ. Now, what do we produce? What do we produce? It actually goes on and tells us in verse 11, God, I'm so old and glasses and I can't see here, there, and yonder. Verse 11 says, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will what? Overflow. People don't like gloomy Christians. Did you know that? It, it's, not, it's not very drawing when we're gloomy. Now, I'm not saying that we have to pretend not to have problems. We're human. We do have problems. But Jesus tells me, even in the midst of that, I can have joy overflowing. How do you do that, BJ? I mean, like, how, how, do, I, how do I have joy overflowing? Because you know what? I'm human, I'm a sinner, and life is messy, but I am a sinner-redeemed church. <laughs> And that is the joy overflowing. That no matter how messed up I was, God loved me. He was chasing me. And I am redeemed. Everything else around me can fall apart. But I know my Savior. And I'm connected to Him. Joy overflowing. Joy is not connected with happiness. Joy is not connected with everything in life being good. Joy is understanding, I've got new life. Andy's mom talked to us about her journey with, with her cancer, and, and she is the most joyful person, Thomas can tell you. Nobody brightens a room like Andy's mom. And she told us the secret. She said, because I've been given a second chance. So I'm going to live every moment of it. Joy when you know that you know. The next thing that should be producing in our life is, is love. Love. Verse 12, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. He's very specific. Now again, they may have not have caught on to this quite yet. Because what does he say? There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So at this moment, they didn't understand that. But again, he's preparing them for after the moment. You and I are after. We understand. We're sent to love people. And I don't mean just the people we like. I don't mean just our family that we love because they're family. But too often, we live in this world like we're sent to compete with everybody. Y'all know I'm competitive. I stayed up and watched that game last night. I had, I had quite hard heart palpitations last night that had nothing to do with my thyroid. <laughs> and everything to do with K.J. Jefferson and Cam Little, you know? They, they stretched that one a little close. But we're also, sometimes we live like 
we're supposed to dispute everything with everybody. You know, if I'm, if I'm different than you, I'm going to tell you about it. Which leads to quarreling with everybody. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. We've been doing it now for a good two years. Probably longer. But social media kind of expands it. Church, Jesus said you were called to love as he loved. We're called to love our neighbors. And Jesus not just gave us this empty commandment, he lived the example for us. He laid down all rights, all claims, and died on a cross like a criminal for you and I. We can lay down our opinions and our rights to love people as the true disciples that we're supposed to be called to be. And then he said, you get to be my friend. I love this. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. So this word for slaves, think of people like Moses and Joshua and David. And then even Paul, when they talked about being slaves to God. In other words, they give everything. And Jesus said, I don't want to treat you like a slave. He was offering them an intimacy with God that this generation had never known. We kind of take it for granted. You and I take for granted the fact that we can just come and say a prayer, right? And talk straight to God. That generation had to go through all the temple stuff. They had to go to the high priest. They had to send their request through somebody. They couldn't just talk to God. And Jesus said, I want to be your friend. Oh, y'all remember singing this song? I am a friend of God. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love to sing that little song. And this world would be so different if we understood that concept of that intimacy. Now understand, I always tell you, read this in context. These disciples, this would have been so dramatic. This would have been a first for them to hear they could be a friend of God. A friend of God. Like, really, like, talking what... What do you, how do you treat your friend? Do you call? Do you text a lot? Do you, you know, you have a problem, you go to them. You just need to rant a little bit, you go to them. That's a safe space, right? Friends are safe. So this was an incredible first for the Jewish people to understand they could be one-on-one -on -one with God is what Jesus is offering. So that's part of what we produce when we're connected to the vine. When we're connected to Jesus, we're connected straight to the Father. Do you understand? And then he said in verse 16, You didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce fruit. Church, we are the ambassadors of Christ. We continue the purpose and the mission. Sometimes we think of the cross and the resurrection as sort of the end of the story. No, it was the end of a chapter. 
Jesus did his part. He has appointed us to continue the mission. And, and you know, you didn't, I just, I just stopped and wept over this little phrase. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Those are the most beautiful words I can think of. You know, we, we think when we get our act right, we'll choose Jesus. We'll become that true disciple, right? He's already chosen you. I was thinking about the story of the prodigal son. Y'all remember the prodigal son? He decided he wanted to leave. Give me all my inheritance. I'm done with you, Dad. I'm out the door. I'm going to go party. And the whole time he's out there partying with all the friends, the whole time that, remember, he runs out of money, he winds up in the pig slop, <laughs> doing the lowest job and, and a very abominable job for a Jewish man to be doing, by the way. In the worst of the worst slum. And then he made a choice to come back to the Father. But church, the whole time he was out there, the Father had chosen him. Because what did the Father do every day? The Father walked out the porch and he looked down that driveway and he waited every day. He had already chosen the Son the whole time. Church, he's already chosen you. Isn't that the greatest joy? That should give you joy unspeakable this morning. You just thought you were controlling everything. I love that we can look back. You know, when I look back on my life, I see where God was working. I didn't know that. Whether it was an aunt or a crazy roommate in college... God had already chosen me, and he was chasing me every bit of the way until I finally gave in and turned around. And then he left us with this word, this is my command, love each other, love one another. Starting here inside the church, but just love people outside the church. That's what we need. You know, the board and I, so often we, we talk about different things maybe we can do and, you know, what, what can we do to try to draw? Can I tell you the secret to growing this church and any church? The way to spread Christianity is to live a Christian life. And I'm talking the true disciples of Jesus Christ. Because when we're outside of these walls and joy unspeakable is overflowing, when we're loving people left and right just because, without judgment, it's going to grow. It's going to grow. And I don't even care if my numbers grow. I just want you loving people for Jesus and taking as many people to heaven with us as we can get there. God will take care of the church here. But the big C church is what we need. Well, BJ, I tried, but I just had a really bad week. And maybe the joy didn't flow. There were some other things that flowed. <laughs> well, you think you had a bad week. I want you to look 
Right past this, Jesus continued on chapter 16, verse 1. It says, I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. Again, Jesus is preparing them for after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. Listen to verse 2. For you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing a holy service for God. And you thought you had a bad week? I just had a flat tire. I'm good with that. (laughs) I'm good with a flat tire. Church, when's the last time your joy was overflowing? Honestly. When's the last time? When's the last time you laid down your life, your wants, your rights, to love somebody else? When's the last time you felt that true intimacy with God, like a friend? When's the last time that you were actively being the ambassador for Christ, living a Christian life for others to see you? And if you aren't sure, when's the last time you allowed the gardener to prune your branches? Oh, we we don't like when God knocks on our door and and begins to prune things in our life, whether sometimes that's physical things, but you know, I've learned the longer we're Christians, the longer we follow Jesus, it becomes more inward things, our attitudes, our words, our actions, our social media, our, you know, things that we think nobody else sees, but God always does. When's the last time you let him prune you? When's the last time you let him discipline you? on how you were living life. Because you're the first face of Jesus some people will see outside these walls. Is that a scary thought? Are you okay with that? Because Jesus said, remain in me and you'll produce much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Stand with me this morning, church. I know Hobby Lobby doesn't have a sign for this one because it can be heavy. But Jesus wanted his disciples to be sure they would withstand the pressures that was coming to continue God's purpose of calling his creation to him. And it matters in everything that we do, everything that we say. I know you, you want to cheer Brandon on these days, but I'm telling you that's not a true disciple of Christ. Because when we pray for our president to fail, we pray for this country to fail. Do you understand that? And our president, <laughs> he's a creation of God also. That's where the, the love gets hard, isn't it? When there's people we don't agree with and we, we don't like even. <laughs> Man, think of what God has done for you in your life. Now be a true disciple and begin to reciprocate that out. Remain in the vine. When's the last time that you just spent time at these altars saying, God, I need you to just fill me. I'm empty. 
I'm empty. I've, I've, I've been mad for so long and I don't know how to let loose of it, Lord. I've just been disappointed for so long. I don't know how to let loose of it. Let him, let him fill you with something new this morning. Because you see that, that main vine of the grapevine, it gives all the nutrients, all the water, everything those branches need. So if you're not connected this morning, you can reconnect. Lord, we come this morning humbly, I pray. Because sometimes it's easy, Lord, when we are the disciples, we, we forget that we need these moments of refreshing and reminding. We need to be reminded of what it is we're producing, joy and love and intimacy with God and becoming the ambassadors of Christ that you call us to be. And God, I believe that this church body, we will continue to grow as long as we are being true disciples. So I just pray this morning that your Holy Spirit will flood through each person here. And God, may we be humble enough to surrender all, to allow those uh, prunings that you want to cleanse us with. And then God, can you just fill the empty voids with your Holy Spirit this morning? Because my joy does not come from my circumstances. My joy comes from knowing I am redeemed, I am chosen, and I am a friend of God. And when I am reminded of that, Lord, everything else withers away. Oh, Father, I believe we have people in our lives that we're concerned with this morning. And we're going to lay them at your feet. Because I am reminded this morning of our loved ones, God, that sometimes we feel like it's hopeless, but God, you reminded me this morning I'm chasing after them. As long as there's breath, I'm chasing after them. And Father, we pray for others around them to be lifted and be the carriers of the message, to be those ambassadors. But God, may you use us and people around that we come in contact with every day. May we never underestimate a chance encounter. (laughs) And may we always be willing to share our testimony of what Jesus did for us. That's the gospel. He died for me the same way he will die. He died for you, and he offers the same grace, no matter what we've done. Oh, Father, somebody in here needs to just accept that forgiveness today, maybe for the first time. Maybe someone today needs to accept that there should be more happening in their life, that they don't feel like they're producing what God desires. And God, I was reminded reading in the scripture that when you say we can ask for anything in your name, God, we're talking about your will, your purpose, and you will answer those prayers. Father, I thank you for your people here today. And I know that they are true disciples seeking you out. They showed up here today, Lord, expecting to hear from you. And I pray that they will receive every message that you have given them today. They may be different. And when we leave here, may they continue to meditate on what you've given them. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.